Well, what is up, everybody? Welcome to God Squad Church. My name is Pastor Boz, and I'm the Midlothian, an online campus pastor here. Thank you so much for being here. Um, guys, last week, uh, I, gave, I, I, I preached last week as well, and I gave a sermon for the new year. As the new year was starting, we, had, uh, we, we talked about a few things. One of the things that we talked about was not reflecting on the things in the past and the bad things, the good things of 2020. 2020 was obviously a very hard year for a lot of people, but maybe 2020 wasn't a really bad year for you. Maybe there was other things that were going on in the past, other years that were really rough for you. And we talked about not focusing on those things, but reflecting on them so that you can learn from those things and continue to move forward as we move into 2021, moving forward in your relationship with God and your love for him and we continued to talk about learning from those past things. This week is going to be, we're going to go a little bit more in depth with the reflection part of it, but we're really going to be focusing not on the bad things or your successes or your failures. We're going to be focusing specifically on one of the hardest subjects to talk about as Christians and even people that aren't Christians, the things that we do wrong. We're going to be talking about our sins today and specifically diving in on how to get through those things because there's so many times that we get entangled in our sins. In the book of Hebrews, the author says that we get entangled in all of our sins, that we continue to have trouble with those things, and we say, well, it's just one time I'm going to do this. Well, I'm just going to sneak a peek at this. Well, I'm just going to go with my friends to this, and we give ourselves an opportunity to be able to get stuck in those things. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about those things today, how to get through that, and how to move forward afterwards. But before we go to that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for all you've done for us. And God, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts, that you would allow the people to understand, that you would allow me to understand and open up our hearts, Lord God, to what you would have to say to us. I pray that it would affect us in a positive way, let us be encouraged today, Lord, and let us run hard after you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So I want you guys to do something. I got, I got my phone on me so I can, I can see what you guys are putting in the chat. I want you guys to put in the very first console that you ever played. The very first console. Some of you are going to be putting in like the PlayStation 3. Some of you, you know, younger people out there, maybe some of you are going to put in the PlayStation 4, Xbox 360. But some of you a little bit older, you might be putting in things like the Nintendo Entertainment System. I know my wife has very fond memories of when she was younger, going over her friend's house and playing on the Super Nintendo, one of the best systems ever created to play Donkey Kong Country. A great game. I loved Donkey Kong Country. We got people coming in. Atari. Yeah, we, we know you boomers out there. We got people on the GameCube, Nintendo Entertainment System, Game Boy Advance. I did not think of that one coming in. Super Nintendo, we got people coming in. There were, maybe some of you, listen, there's some people that were born in the days of when this console came out. It's called Odyssey. And you're thinking, obviously it didn't do well. I never even heard of it. It sold over 100 million units. And all there was was three dots in the screen. Thank you, 1975, for kicking off the gaming generations for us so we can continue to get to this point now. But maybe you had your very first console. And for me, my favorite, well, not my favorite, but my very first console was the Nintendo Entertainment System. I grew up playing The Legend of Zelda. One of my first games was Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 3. The second one I didn't get into until a little bit later when somebody let us borrow it. 
But I grew up on these things, and I love the older systems. You got the 8-bit graphics from the Nintendo. You go up to 16 bits with the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. Nobody put a Genesis in here from what I saw. Feels bad, Sega. But then you continue moving on and continue moving forward. You got the Nintendo 64 with 64 bits. It was amazing. And then you move backwards a little bit for some reason. PlayStation with 32 bits. And you got all these things. I love the older systems, though. It's one of my favorite things that I used to do as a kid is just go home from school. It's been a rough day. My friends would say, let's go play outside. Yeah, maybe later. I'm going to game for a little bit today. I'm gonna do, we'll play tomorrow, but I'm going to play me some Final Fantasy IV even though it was called Final Fantasy II in America on the Super Nintendo. That's okay. Every, things happen. Things happen. But I loved the older systems. But one of the things that all of the old systems, I believe the last system that honestly had this button on the actual console, I think was the GameCube. It was called the reset button. Now, you're thinking to yourself, well, the PlayStation 4 has a reset button. It does not. It has a restart button but it does not have a reset button. You see, as the newer consoles started coming out, they started calling it a restart button, and the reason why is because it restarts the entire system as a whole. If you turn on the PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4, Xbox 360, you have a menu that pops up, and you can go through it. You can select on the game that you want to load. You select on the different things that you want to do, but if you go into the Nintendo and you turn it on and there's no game inside the system, nothing's going to load. You're just going to have a blank screen that's blinking blue. Yes, it happened. You remember the days when you had to blow into the, the games to get it to work? Very sad days. I'd be lightheaded before I could even play my game that I wanted to play. Those were really, really rough days. But the thing is, is in the Nintendo or Super Nintendo, you had to put in the game, and what would load is just the game. There was no menu. It was just the menu for the game, and that was it. It was the reset button. And sometimes, and this is my first point today, I really wish we had a reset button in our life. I really, truly wish we had a reset button in our life. Because to be completely honest, so many times, so many times I do something stupid, I say something stupid that I'm not supposed to do or say, and I wish I could press the reset button and just go back. Because what the reset button actually did was it allowed you to be able to go backwards. There's, listen, there was no save files back in the day except for The Legend of Zelda. It had a save file. Thank the Lord for that because it was a long game, but it was the first game that actually had save files. But you would press the reset button, go back, and you could look at what you did wrong and continue to move forward. So, for example, in The Legend of Zelda, as a kid, I'd try to go for perfect runs without getting hit. That never actually happened. I'd use too much of a resource here. I would get too low on health over here before I got to the boss, and I had to continue hitting the reset button. Then I have to look and analyze, what did I do wrong? How did I get to this point? Why am I still messing up? And I had to keep hitting the reset button over and over. And I wish in my life that I had a reset button where nothing would save and I could just continue moving on. But unfortunately, in our lives, we can't necessarily do that. But I do believe that we can metaphorically hit the reset button so we can analyze what's going on in our lives, that we can, we can glance back at it, we can reflect on it, and continue to move forward. The first reset button that happened in time comes from Genesis chapter 2. And uh, this is a good reset button. It's not because anything bad happened, but God actually hit the reset button. And it's from verses 1 through 3, and it says this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. 
And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. As a kid, I didn't understand these verses. I I grew up in the church, and the pastor would get up on stage every week and say, God has infinite power. He is omniscient, which just means he's all-knowing. He's omnipresent, which means he can be everywhere. If he has so much power, if he can do all of these things, and we talk about how God can do all things, nothing can stop him, why, why did God take a rest? It was Saturday. I, I really like my Saturday naps and my Sunday naps. You know, maybe, maybe he really just, maybe creating the entire universe was just really hard from him. But I realized something as I was growing up. God didn't rest because he was tired. It wasn't because he needed to rest. There was a couple of reasons, and I I do believe there's multiple reasons. We won't go through all of them today, but a couple of reasons I want to go through on why God rested. One of them is because I truly believe that God wanted to set, use himself as an example for us as humans, that we're going to need rest, that sometimes the week was really hard and we're going to need rest too, and he's trying to tell us, hey, Take a break every once in a while. You're going to need it. But the second thing I think that God was trying to do here was that he was truly reflecting on what he had just done. I mean, if you think about it, every single day he's creating something new. He creates the sun and the moon. He, create, he separates the sky from the seas. He's got all the growth. He's got the trees. He's got the plants. He's got the grass. He creates all the animals. He creates humans. And every single time that he does something, he says, it's good. He saw that it was good. He saw that the trees were good. He saw that humanity was very good. He sees all these things, and I would, be, I would find it very hard to believe that on the seventh day that God sat back, and I would find it hard to believe that he didn't reflect on what he just did. It was the biggest time had just began, and so God rested. He reflected on what he had in front of him, and he said that it was good. And so for us in our life, like I said, God is an example. Sometimes we need to hit the reset button and take a step back and analyze what's going on in our lives. What did I do wrong last week? How did I get into this specific sin that I was doing? I told myself that I was never going to do this. I told myself that I was never going to go in this direction ever, but I found myself doing it anyways. So I hit the reset button. How did I get here? Like I said, what resources did I use? How did I get myself into this position? And unfortunately, sometimes it's not even just the sin that goes into it. It's the fact that we put ourselves in a position to sin. We gave ourselves the opportunity. I was talking to my experience group just the other night how sometimes we give ourselves the opportunity to sin. What do I mean by that? Well, if somebody is struggling with alcohol, they know that they've been struggling with it for a long time, and they say, well, my friends, are all, my friends just invited me to go to the bar. I don't intend to drink. I'll just go there with them to the bar because I'm not intending to drink. But then you do drink, and you can justify it saying, well, I didn't go there to, in, I didn't intend to go drinking, but I did because I went with my friends. It really wasn't. You put yourself in a situation where you went into that sin. And so you can take a step back and analyze and say, okay, When I was invited, I probably should not have gone because if I didn't go, then I probably would not have sinned. 
At this time, I want you guys, if you guys are home, I want you guys to find a piece of paper, if you have one next to you, something that you're going to be able to throw out. It just has to be a small strip, just something very, very small that you can write on with a pen. Don't do anything with it. Just make sure that you have one with you. We're going to be talking a, a little bit about, or, about it later during this sermon. And so we can hit the reset button in our lives, and we can analyze what's going on, but there's, something, there's an extra step that we actually have to take. We have to do something called repent. Repent is, it's interesting because today's definition of repent means something completely different. Let me read you guys today's definition of repent. It says, feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. Very simple. I lied and I feel bad about it. Today's definition, that's repent. I, I, I told my parents that I disobeyed them. I feel bad about it. That's repenting. I swore and I feel bad. That's repenting. That's what today's definition is. If you go back into the Hebrew meaning, which is what the Old Testament was written in, it means to turn, to return, to seek, or to restore. But we move forward into the New Testament. Jesus comes on the scene. And, it, and the Greek word of repent means to change the mind. It's not just saying sorry or feeling remorse for what you did. It actually means to change the mind. Let me give you guys an example. If you were, it, it, listen, if Waymaker Week comes next year and you guys give $5 million for me to get into a plane and to parachute out of it, it's still not happening. I promise you. I am terrified of heights. I have a little bit of asthma. It, I, I get dizzy when I get too high in the sky, and I have MS. So you can't put me on a plane even if you tried to. Sorry, it's not going to happen. But here's the thing. Let's just say I had this moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go skydiving today. And I get up in the sky, and I, I'm, with the, I'm with the trainer. He's right behind me. He says, okay, it's time to jump. And I look out the window. I'm not going to jump. I'm changing my mind. That's actually repenting. It's changing my mind about something. I wanted to do this, and I thought it was, I was going to do it, but I need to change my mind. And so the reason why I'm talking about this today is because when we hit the reset button, we can analyze, but we need to go a little bit farther than just analyzing our life, analyzing what we did wrong. We actually have to make a change. When I used to play The Legend of Zelda when I was a kid, one thing that I used to do is I continued to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I would have the same exact result every single time, wondering why I wasn't getting any better, wondering why I was still running out of resources, wondering why I had less health at the boss. But the reason why was because I was doing nothing different. We have to repent. We have to change in our lives. When we go back, we hit that reset button, and we start analyzing what we did wrong, we then need to make a change as well. I want to give you guys an example in the Bible of somebody that did not make a change. It comes from the book of Judges, and it's actually a people group that didn't make a change. And it comes from Judges chapter 21, verse 25. It's the very last chapter or very last verse in the entire book of Judges. Judges is a great book if you want to read about people like having pegs nailed into their head into the ground and people dying. It's a great book to read, for real. It's one of my favorite books. Go read it. Verse 25, chapter 21, says this. In those days, there was no king 
in Israel. I used to skip over this sentence. I used to skip over this sentence a lot, but it has a lot of meaning. I just was thinking about it a couple days ago. It says there was no king in Israel. The reason why you used to skip over it was because obviously there was no king. There was no King Saul yet. There's no King David, no King Solomon. There was no king in Israel. But here's the problem with this sentence. There was supposed to be a king in Israel. God chose Israel to be his people. Israel was supposed to have a king. They were supposed to have God as their king. They were supposed to be serving him. They were supposed to be obeying him. But he was not, he was not their king in this moment. There was no king in Israel. And then the next sec- sentence, the very last part of this verse, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Let me preface this verse for you a little bit. Throughout the entire book of Judges, God is allowing things to happen to them. And the reason why is because they continue to disobey God, and then God sends some, a, a people group, the Philistines, the Amorites, whoever it might be, to come and oppress them. And then they say, oh, we did so bad. We were disobeying God. Okay, God, we're going to obey you. So God feels bad for them. He sends a judge for them. They get their eyes turned back on God, and the judge allows them to be able to overcome the oppression of whoever it was. And then they have years of peace, 40 years of peace, 80 years of peace, 100 years of peace. And then you will read in the book of Judges multiple times, it will say again, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They kept doing the same thing over and over and over and over again with the same result. And growing up, I would say, are they stupid? Are they dumb? Don't they realize that when they're disobeying God, things are going bad, but when they obey him, things are good? They should just realize that when they're obeying God, things are going good for them. They have prosperity. There's no oppression. They're able to thrive, but then they go and do something stupid, and they get oppressed. God sends a judge, gets them out of it, and they go through this cycle over and over again with no change. And as I was growing up, I would think they were dumb, but then I started to look at my own heart. I started to realize, do I change at all? The things that I do in my life, the sins that I have in my life, do I actually make a change in my life to make sure that those sins are getting out? To make sure that those things, I'm putting myself in positions that I shouldn't be in. Maybe you're thinking to yourself of one specific sin that you are struggling with. I want you to think of that one sin and keep thinking until the end of the sermon. Think about it. The one thing that you've been trying to have victory over for so long, but you keep doing the same things over and over and you're, not one, you're praying to God saying, God, I need this sin to get out of my life, but there's got to be something that you need to do as well. It's not just God's just going to send a miracle down so that you just stop it automatically. Yes, that can happen, but there needs to be something that you do in your life to help this sin to be able to get rid of in your life. The Israelites continued doing the same thing over and over, and we do that as well. So sometimes we do need to reflect. Sometimes, you know, we always need to be making changes in our life. That always needs to happen. But here's the thing, when you accept Jesus Christ, something different happens in your life. Something comes that's called a new save file. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, you have a completely renewed, a complete blank slate in your life where your heart is clean, 
and there is nothing wrong with it at all. No stains, no guilt, no shame. You have a completely clean slate. It's not like hitting the reset button and taking a step back and analyzing. No, when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, you have a clean slate with everything. So I want to read for you guys. You might be thinking to yourself, well, how do you know it's a completely clean slate? If you guys turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it doesn't matter what denomination you are, doesn't matter what your status is, doesn't matter where you live, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He is a new creation. When God made a new creation in you, I truly believe this. When God allows one person to come to know Jesus Christ, just one, it's a bigger miracle than when God created the entire universe. We talked about God creating the universe before. We talked about what he did. He, he, he just opened up his mouth and literally the stars came into being. The sun, the moon, the earth, everything came into being when he started opening up his mouth. But when he saves one individual, when he saves one person, it's a greater miracle. Why? Because when God created the world, there was nothing to stop him. He just started creating. There was nothing that was pressing against him. He just started creating. But you and me, being a human, we have stubbornness in our life. We have a heart of stone. God has to break down walls. He has to break through your pain. He has to break through the things that you're uncomfortable with to allow you to understand who Jesus Christ is because when you accept Jesus Christ, it is a greater miracle than when God created the entire universe. You matter. You are more than enough, but God had to break through. He had to do some miracles to be able to get you to understand who Jesus Christ is, to have that renewed life, to have that regenerated life so that you can continue growing closer to him because he loved you so much that he wanted you to be able to have that life and that joy and that peace and that comfort that he can bring to you. I truly believe that you are a miracle when you accept Jesus Christ. It is one of the greatest miracles that God could ever have performed. And so there's two things that we must do when we become a new creation. It doesn't say that you became a new person. It says you became a new creation. There's two things you must do. The first is receiving the gift of being a new creation. You need to receive Jesus Christ in your life. But the second is to be challenged to live the life of a new creation. See, when we accept Jesus Christ, we still have something called free will in our life. We still have the decision to sin or not to sin. We have the ability to choose one or the other. We have the ability to repent. We have the ability to accept Jesus Christ or repent and have a change of mind. We can, we, and, and, and people can be rejecting him and repent and understand they need to have a change of mind to accept Christ. We have the ability to change and repent. So we need to be able to live up to that. We need to be able to live up to being a new creation. And some of you today, you've been struggling with a specific sin in your life. And like I said, I wanted you guys, if you weren't here earlier, 
to get out a small piece of paper and a pen. I want you guys to do something with this. And I'm going to do it too. Think of that specific sin that you've been struggling with. The one thing. Listen, it can be the fact that you struggle with alcohol. Maybe you've been gossiping. Maybe you've been looking at pornography. Maybe you've been struggling with lying. Maybe you've been struggling with another addiction that you have in your life. Whatever it might be that you are struggling with today, that one sin, I want you to write it down right now. I want you to write that sin down on that piece of paper, and I'm going to do it as well. Maybe, it, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's swearing. Maybe it's, it's fact that you struggle with rage, and you know your relationships are being broken. Maybe you understand that your rage and your sin, the things that you're doing, is actually allowing you and your wife or your, or your spouse to be, you're struggling so much you guys are breaking apart. Maybe your family is being broken because of the things that you're doing. I want you to take that and look at it for a second and fold it. And then I want, what I want you to do is I want you to tear it. I want you to rip it into multiple people, pieces so that it's not even legible. And then I want you to throw it in the garbage. Listen, when Jesus Christ died for you, he had, today is the day, mark today, January 9th, as the day that you are going to have victory over that sin. Today is the day that you're going to stand up and you're going to say, no longer is the temptation going to overcome me. No longer is Satan going to be able to fight against me with this. I am going to specifically overcome this today. Today is the day that I continue to beat it over and over and over again because Jesus Christ had victory on the cross. Jesus Christ has victory in every battle. He has victory in every war and he has victory over every single sin that you have ever committed. So when Satan comes up to you and he stands up inside of your face and the enemy comes up to you and they start putting temptations in your life, you can stand there knowing that you have Jesus Christ on one side, you have him on the other side, you have him in front of you, you have him beside you, behind you. You have the armor of God on and you have the sword of spirit and you can say, Satan, today is not the day. You are no longer going to have victory over, over me. This, I have victory over the pornography addiction. I have victory over getting drunk. I have victory over my sins. I have victory over getting upset and having rage in my life. I have victory over the swearing. I have victory over all of it. And you can no longer come against me. You can't come against me with that anymore because I have Jesus on my side. I have a clean slate. I have a new save file, so get out of my way because I'm going to continue fighting. And you know what? You can have victory over this. There's so many times I talk to people and they come to me and say, it's impossible for me to have victory over this. I can't have victory over this. I've been struggling with it for 52 years. Well, you know what? Today is the day, January 9th. So that next year, on January 9th, you can celebrate a new anniversary. Today was the day that I had victory over something that I struggled with in years of my life. And you know what? My relationship with God is getting closer and closer and closer every single day because the one thing that separates us from Christ is sin. And when we get those sins out of our lives, we continue getting closer. Some people, they don't recognize, hey, I'm really struggling. I'm really trying to get close to God. So I'm praying for it, but it's not happening. Well, the thing, the thing of it might be is that you have a specific sin in your life. When you get that out of your life, your relationship with God is going to continue to grow. He's going to continue talking to you. He's going to continue to answer you because of what you've been going through. I promise you, you can get through this. The Bible tells us that with him, 
all things are possible. We talked about it last week. You can have a possibility to get over these sins. And so mark today, January 9th, as a day that that sin that you tore up and that you threw in the garbage, today is the day that it will not have victory over you any longer. Today is the day that you will have victory over it. Today is the day that you'll have victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Some of you today need to not just hit reset and analyze. That's what we do need to do that and make a change in our life. But maybe today you need to make a new save file. I do believe that this goes for Christians and goes for non-Christians as well because even if you've already accepted Jesus Christ in your life, the thing is, is when you accepted Jesus Christ, it wasn't just, it just started and, and that was the only time you had a clean slate. No, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You have Jesus Christ living in your heart. He has given you a clean slate to work with for the rest of your life. Continue asking for forgiveness. Continue repenting of those sins. He has given you that ability. So make today the day that you continue to work towards that. Continue having victory over those sins. Doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. Doesn't mean that temptation is not going to come in. But you can have victory with Jesus Christ in your life. Maybe some of you today, you don't know Jesus. He's not living inside of you. Allow today to be a day that you make your new save file. Allow today to be the day that you have a clean slate started with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ came from his heavenly throne and he lived a completely pure and perfect life for you. He didn't care what you did. He didn't care about all the sins in your life. He didn't care about the baggage that you're holding on to. And let me tell you, those sins, they're heavy and they're too much for you to bear. You can't bear them any longer. It's too much of a burden. Allow those things to be given over to Jesus because he went to the cross specifically to pay a debt that you could not pay, a debt that I could not pay, and he didn't deserve to pay the debt that he did pay. He went to the cross and spilled his blood for you, but three days later, he broke through death. He destroyed sin so that it would be no longer, so that if you came to know him, all of your sins, all of the baggage that you hold on to, it would be wiped clean like a new save file. There would be nothing there. No progress has been done yet, but also nothing bad has been done yet. You have a clean slate with Jesus Christ. He will wash your heart so that it's as white as snow. And be, when we accept him, we have the ability to repent, to change our ways. We talked about it before, to change our mind. These things I used to do, I used to think they were okay, but today I'm going in a different direction. I'm going in the direction of Jesus Christ. I'm going in the direction that is not what my sins were. And today is the day I'm gonna have victory over the things. I repent of those. And when we do that, we can ask God the Father for forgiveness. When we ask for forgiveness and we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we can spend an eternity with God. And so today, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you are saved, but you've been doing these things for so long. That sin that you've been, you wrote down, you've been doing it for so long. 
and you need to get rid of it and out of your life, maybe you need to rededicate your life to Jesus today so you can continue growing your relationship with him. It's been too long. It's been too long since you've been following after him. But today's the day you're going to make a choice to rededicate your life. But maybe some of you, I want to give you an opportunity as well to accept Jesus Christ into your life for the very first time. To create that new save file. To have a clean slate. So that one day, when you stand in front of the Father, he says, come in my good and faithful servant. Because the only thing that he sees is not your sins. It's not the stains of your guilt and your shame. The thing that he sees is the blood of his son, Jesus, covering your heart. So I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. So if you want to rededicate your life or accept Jesus Christ into your life for the first time today, I would ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I come before you right now. I ask for forgiveness for my sins. I believe that your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross and that he rose from the grave. I accept your mercy, your grace, and your salvation. I commit my life to you. And Jesus, come live inside of me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together and also put some hype in the chat for those people that are just accepting Jesus Christ today? It's absolutely amazing. And I want to tell you, if you made that decision today, you are not going to regret it. If you could do me a favor, if you could do me a favor, if you did accept Jesus Christ today, I want you to do something bold. I want you to do something bold and I want you to put a yes in the chat. I have my phone in front of me. I want to see you putting a yes in the chat today if you have accepted Jesus Christ. And hey, if you could do me a favor, there's going to be a link that comes into the chat. If you could click on that link and fill out that form with as much information as you feel comfortable giving, that's going to be something for us to be able to give you a resource if you just accepted Jesus Christ today. Sometimes people have questions. They say, well, I don't know where to start reading the Bible. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to do these things. We'd like to be able to walk with you on this journey journey. We'd like to be able to help you today if you have just accepted Jesus Christ and you're not too sure where to start. So definitely click on that link, fill out the form so somebody can get back to you so that we can connect with you. Guys, uh, this is the reason why we do what we do here at God Squad Church. We, we see people giving their lives to Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. We see people giving their lives on YouTube, giving their lives when they watch the VOD. And I'm able to talk to these people and connect with them. This is the reason why we do what we do. And to continue doing it, we continually have people who have been faithful and generous to be able to give to God Squad Church to help us continue seeing people coming to know Jesus Christ. So if you guys would like to, there's multiple safe and secure ways that you can give to God Squad Church. You can go into the panels below and click on the give link that will allow you to give through PayPal. You can go to our website, customize it to any way that you feel comfortable that fits you best. And then finally, you can also use text to give by texting any amount to number 84321. No matter how you are giving, we thank you so much. And remember, every penny counts.